We are going to Alaska, where the animals can kill you, but they do so in silence, as though if no one hears them, then it really won't matter. We are going to Alaska, here on the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion, with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and I'm going back to the Uinta Brewing Company in Salt Lake City, Utah. Different beer this week, though. This is their Was Angeles, in reference to the uh, the Wasatch Range. Here, uh, just uh, east of the city, east southeast of the greater Salt Lake City limits, Salt Lake County, as it were. It's an American lager. It is 5% ABV, as you do in these parts. And it's actually quite nice. I had a couple of them yesterday, another one today. Very drinkable, uh, no frills, well-balanced American lager. I'm going to try to pad out some time. I, I can't keep talking about the beer because it's a very plain American lager. But... One of the advantages this week is I have two co-hosts introduced. That will also fill out some more time. We will start in New England. The New England Owl, Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Take your time. Hey, Jeff. Uh, yeah, no, I, you know me. I don't overanalyze any of this shit. It's uh, Barnstable Brewing's Blueberry Ale. Uh, you guys know I've been on a stout kick, but uh, I grabbed a four-pack for after a very disappointing hockey game. Uh, Sunday night, I had a couple left over. Thought it'd be perfect for the pod. It's a good, solid, uh, crisp, uh, fruity ale, and it doesn't uh, taste like fake blueberries. It's got a nice, subtle flavor to it, and it's very, very local. It's across the street from my work, so tough to beat that. Also on the pod this week, the man who is not the furthest afield northwest on this show, in Cascadia, in Portland, Oregon. Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. I am enjoying a Cascadia Dark Ale. This is uh, the Pelican Brewing's uh, Seasonal Bad Santa, so um, which is very good. It's a nice dark ale. It is a mysterious dark nectar filled with complex flavors and aromas. You can't get much more specific than that. Uh, mysterious dark nectar it's, it's kind of creepy uh but it's very good i actually like it um it's, as far as dark ales go it's quite smooth and um it's out from uh so again pelican brewing is um out in tillamook which is one of the coastal on the oregon coast and it's known for its uh, dairy so um you go out there and they have a famous uh i think i've had some good cheeses from out there now yes. yeah, yeah absolutely Famous regional cheese, which I'm glad to hear you guys have heard of it. And they also have, they serve really good ice cream. They have the tour. So um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So Tillamook, make a, make a trip. That will be, the then, yeah, that beer description will be as specific as we get on this podcast because there was no video feed for the match. We're reviewing once again. <laughs> but review it, we will. We will review Mansfield Town and the second round of the FA Cup. We will, as promised, go even further northwest to Alaska find i think probably the furthest north wednesday i, I don't know I, I don't i'm gonna do the exact like lines of latitude between and it's, peter loman i guess we can figure I that out if we really want to it is scandinavian ish um but yeah. yes this is a fun contest maybe we can do this uh, on twitter over the next couple of days <laughs> we will for the wednesday news we will take a peek in at the world cup and we will review a very or preview a very, very early kickoff against Darby County at the weekend. We will start with the Mansfield Town Review. My word is abridged. 
because I will tell you exactly how much of this match I watched. I know they put the I was eight minutes and 49 seconds. No, (laughs) not even. I pulled the slider on YouTube (laughs) far enough that I thought I would get both of the Michael Smith goals. And I did. And then I was done. They were lovely. I actually I did listen to like. I was driving Saturday morning. I took the kid to the aquarium. I think I put the second half on in the car, but then like the Wi-Fi somewhere on I-15 gave out and I just did not bother to try to get it back up. So I, I, I did listen to four minutes of the match and then watch both Michael Smith goals. That is my contribution to this conversation. So if you go back and watch the, the first, um, I don't know, two minutes of the eight minutes. Not going to do that. The, the crosses that Mansfield was getting on against us were mm-hmm. pretty um, And I w- went and confirmed, I looked at the player ratings from one of the papers and it said that, yeah, Jack Hunt was ineffective. Uh, Wilkes was ineffective and it was not good. So they, mm-hmm. they really could have been down by a few, um, allegedly. Again, I didn't see it either, but <laughs> the started crosses- to find- one of the crosses that weren't goals make the highlights. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> a yeah. fairly strong lineup, all yeah. in all, that Wednesday put out, too. Like, I know there's some center back rotation with the injuries and stuff like that, but also, well, I'm getting hunt some time. Yeah. It's also just disappointing that they had to bring in some of the uh, the big guns for the, mm. the game when you'd hope they could have gotten some more rest. But, um, well, it sounded like Mansfield wasn't bad i mean it's always easier to take the wednesday perspective I and mean, then i know if i'm watching a game i i find it very difficult to pay attention to who's being very successful for the opponent because i'm always so focused on wednesday players but uh, you know i i mentioned uh before we started recording my my only uh way to access this game at the time i i coached seven hockey games last weekend so what happens when you have two kids playing in tournaments it's ridiculous uh, but I did see on Twitter, Dom Housen uh, announced that he was uh, leaving the beat, um, which I'll be disappointed. I've always liked Dom and his contributions. I wish him well. Um, he's become one of us against his will. Uh, but all he was doing was griping about uh, this is awful. How are they going to send me out like this? This is I can't believe. Like, buddy, what team have you Wednesday been watching day? for the last decade? <laughs> like. <laughs> I know there must have been worse, but uh, again, my the only thing I saw is we were down one nothing, and uh, Dom was uh, in distress. And then uh, was that no you know, game we kept making threatening to make James to watch a couple of years ago? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, they all bled together. I'm I feel sure like it was, it was Stoke, but it wasn't horrible. actually Stoke. It might have been Stoke. It was the championship equivalent of Stoke on a Tuesday. I mean, it might have been Stoke in the championship. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Um, Well, I I will say my contribution from having watched about as much as you did, Jeff, was when I saw that uh, Michael Smith came on as a sub and scored two late goals, I thought that sounds excellent. And when I saw that Marvin Johnson fed him the ball, I said, that is excellent. And I pictured these Johnson runs to the – End line and these soaring full, crosses, full sprint, that, whipping it in, yeah, from the left whipping side, it yeah. in. And instead, he's threading these through balls for Smith to like make beautiful runs and full extension poke into space. Like excellent goals, both of those. Uh, 
Good for Michael Smith. He's now tied for the team league in goals. Um, like seven people again, with four goals at this point. Well, exactly. It yeah, is. it's uh, it's actually five people. Uh, Gregory, yeah. uh, Fizz, Windass, Smith, and Bannon have four. Palmer and Byers have three. Um, it's pretty nice. I think that says a lot about our depth. Then again, uh, says Mike, a lot about right, how so none of us are going to win starters. the uh, preseason predictions for <laughs> top goal scorer. I think we all predicted like seventeen or higher for Michael Smith, but yeah, I mean he might get yeah. there. If he gets there, we'd probably be good. I would, I would add times. Uh, Bannon had, on the second goal. Bannon had a really long pass, and both the pass and the, and the control from Johnson were um, were great. But again, it's mm. too bad that. I think I laid timed the slider for like the first uh, Johnson cross. I don't even think I saw the pass to set it up. I'm just going to guess. It's eight minutes of highlights. It was a very bad 2-1 FA Cup game. I'm just going to scroll to like six minutes and 14 seconds and see what goes from there. I was listening live. I, I, this is one of those confessions. I wanted to put it on. I just had other stuff when going on, man. When it's 1-1 and it's late in FA Cup, does everyone have that thought? Uh, it's a universal thought of, I'd rather lose this than have a replay. No. Nah, they, they go to penalty kicks now, don't they, in the early rounds? Or are they still no, doing replays? No, that's the League Cup. That's the League the Cup. League yeah. Cup yeah. There's too many cups. And the pizza, uh, the pizza yeah. cup, they go right to penalties too. If it's a, all right, if you include the pizza cup, there's too many cups. Yeah, I, I, cups. I like the two. I like the two major trophies. I'm not okay. going to lie, um, Mike. I think it's very situational dependent. I'm uh, I'm okay with us going out of these cups at any point. I won't shed a tear because the league is the focus. But you know, honestly, the most important thing out of this game is that. We got a home date against Newcastle. Um, that that's going to be a fabulous atmosphere. They're going to sell out their allotment. I, I'd be shocked if we didn't sell out our allotment. You're, you're talking about a they're going to get thirty-five thousand. Yeah, I don't know if they get thirty. They get thirty thousand yeah, people there. I think. Yeah, uh, probably more. I mean, Newcastle will bring. If Newcastle wanted to fill up the entire Leppings Lane end, top and bottom, they could, and they would bring enough. Um, I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. I talked to some Newcastle fan friends of mine um, who think they may not prioritize it because of not just the league where they're, I believe they're currently in fourth. Um, I mean, they're pushing for Europe, shouting distance. Yeah. But they're also in the uh, League Cup uh, last eight or 16, wherever they are. And the thought from the Newcastle end is, Yes, the FA Cup's more important than the League Cup, but they just want any silverware. Yeah, so the fact they're so far advanced, yeah, in the League Cup, maybe they'll put effort into that. I would expect we'll see a strong lineup. I would expect we'll field our strongest lineup, and we can talk about this in a mind, month like, or a so. lot of like, yeah, it's a month or so, but also a lot. Of these teams haven't played in two months by the time this like rolls around, or have not played a significant schedule. And like, yes, yeah, some of the Newcastle players are off at the world cup uh, in various forms. Yeah, but that's but, not playing for Newcastle, you know? Right. But like, like half of that team is also just like, isn't doing anything right now. Like, <laughs> I mean, I assume Eddie Howe's running something, some training. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's not. So it is going to be a little unusual. And yeah, the FA cup round three is a little later than it normally is too. Yeah. I think so. only by a weekend. Yeah. Um, or so we'll by see, it's going to, it's going to be weird. All of it's going to be very weird. I, just, I know yeah, it's like I, normal for us. We have to keep talking about these stupid games or the top two divisions in uh, 
I just hope we get a nice, t- off. Nice, nice TV time out here would be good. Um, I don't yeah. know if New quite there yet. But Friday we'll night. Have- I mean, they want, if they want to do like the Friday 740, they probably won't. It's going to be like Wrexham. I don't even know who Wrexham is playing, but it's going to be Wrexham. <laughs> yeah, I just think it'll be, it'll be good for the club. Get Ryan Reynolds out there for a long weekend, yeah. Um, it'll be it'll be good for the club. No, it's good. It's And it's like the perfect, not the perfect, but it's a... I'm like it's a big Premier League team, to be fair, that's having a lot of success this year. You know, it's a it's that a, has a great league. fan base. Well, I sure we'll go with that. No, uh, I mean, listen, you you want to talk about their opinions on their club's ownership and all that. I mean, we've we've done enough talking over the last couple of years about sports washing and how we feel about things like the Super League. Right? We're we're all united on that, but. But the fact is that the the Geordies, either Tide side or Weir side, like the those are people who love their fucking they football. Do. They they are madness. They put fifty thousand people. I, I find them a week. little annoying um, at times. To be fair, they <laughs> certainly can be. But you know what? That's that's part of that's no. Part it'll of be football. And if yeah, you get be, six thousand Geordies, no, it'll be a good, stadium, it'll be a good atmosphere. We we give them a much atmosphere. nicer away allocation than they do up at their stadium. When that it's like is 10, true. <laughs> Seven thousand feet. I was like higher up than I am here in Utah. <laughs> but uh, no, it'll be a it'll be a nice like whatever. I don't know what if it'll be the. I don't know We've also had good success it. against them recently, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, well, they uh, obviously once they went there and beat them in the League Cup during their deep League Cup run in Carlos's first season. The we West, swept like, them last time we were in the yep. same league. Yep. Uh, I think like Glenn Leuven's headers. Tom Lee's, Tom Lee's headers, I believe. These headers, yeah. all right. I'd, all I remember is was the Boxing Day game. And uh, I went with oh, a friend of mine. Awesome. Uh, we, went, we came into the city, went to Keene's for lunch, and then went over to like in full suits. And then went over to the uh, <laughs> to the Wednesday Newcastle game at Football Factory. Nice day out. Awesome. Mutton chop held up pretty well on the uh, to go bag for the extra couple hours too. I can't eat. I can't <laughs> eat the entire thing. Well, I hope uh, I hope that game's as uh, good of a day out as, mm. uh, as that. And like, was. also kind of like sneakily winnable if they're not putting out a. That's what I'm saying. Full squad at home, be up for it. You know, I don't know if it's going to be Arsenal and League Cup vibes, but it might be. It could also be like Everton in the FA Cup vibes. So you don't really know how it's going to play out exactly. But that is how the first half of the show has played out. And we'll take a break, come back, and we are going to Alaska. We talked to our Alaskan owl about how he became a Wednesday. First time in a long time, we're going to uh, meet a Wednesday and learn how a uh, American became a Sheffield Wednesday fan. So let's go to the great state way out west of Alaska. Nate, how did you become a Wednesday? Uh, well, so I've only been a Wednesday Wednesdayite for a couple of years now, and it was mostly by happenstance. I was looking to get involved in following a club team. I've always kind of followed international soccer and I, I wanted to pick a club team to become passionate about. And I decided I didn't want to, you know, an EPL team to be a bandwagon fan. Like I didn't want to be a Chelsea fan or a city fan or somebody who always wins. And so 
I actually just looked at some lower level divisions and um, I found Sheffield Wednesday and I read about their history and uh, yeah, that, that, from there I've been pretty gun hell ever since. Cool. So is this the uh, Carlos era? No, it's just, it's even just, just a few years ago. I just started watching games two seasons ago. So at post COVID basically. I'm just trying to think, oh, okay. So I'm just thinking all the managers we've been through since then. I hope it was, um, yeah, I can't imagine you jumping on Tony Pulis and saying, this is where I want to go. <laughs> um, I think Darren has been the man, the manager the whole time that I've been. Perfect. Awesome. Um, and uh, let's talk a little bit. You do. You're an iFollow subscriber. What's your uh, What's your normal? First, what time's your kickoff for you out there? Uh, kickoff is at six a.m. Six a.m. So okay. So wait, but okay for people. Bethel, Alaska, is farther. You're farther west than Honolulu, right? That's actually a good question. I don't. I don't know. I don't. That doesn't add up. Honolulu is five hours from me no, no, not, yeah, on the east coast. So. I think, but he is uh, Nate is is over thirty eight hundred miles away from me. All right, and uh, I'm also told from a little bit of research that uh, Bethel, Alaska, is uh, so remote there's no road system to access it. You can only visit via boat or plane. So you better have I follow. That's the only way you're following anything, huh? Yeah, that's that's accurate. The- the road system in Alaska stops at some point, and there are a lot of towns that are off the road system that have um, just planes. They're big planes. Like if you're going to Anchorage, it's a big plane, but um, not a little bush plane. But yeah, planer, planer boat. And so I have I follow. What's your routine? What time do you wake up? I try and wake up at five thirty so that I can get get squared away, squared away. Um, you know, have some coffee and. And then watch watch the match. I, I like at the home games. I like to try and start early so I catch the high ho Sheffield Wednesday. But uh, Sam's pretty early, so I'm not always on time for that. So, and uh, we we typically ask people if they're always watching alone. Um, so I'm assuming you don't have a, a local where you go to watch these matches. Um, I know this because you and I text during matches. So that's yeah. I'm yeah. That into it. So yeah, I can manage to uh, sometimes get. A friend or two to watch the games. There are certain like this Saturday. They're at three thirty in the morning, Alaska. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so occasionally, I can convince people just to stay awake on Friday nights. They've had some games where I'll, I'll convince a friend or two to watch them with that. Or there was uh, that game that you guys that that there were the gatherings for. There, there was a Bethel gathering. Yes. Um, I think I convinced two friends to watch that that game at ten forty-five. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, what, very cool. What'd they think? That was the game with the uh, the Bannon Worldly at the end of the first half. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> and are they, are they gonna manage to keep them on as fans? No, I don't think n- nobody has committed as me. I have a buddy in New York who texts with who I've convinced to at least follow them. He'll watch when when we get together every now and again. But cool. Uh, send, really- send them down the fear. Send them. On the football factory. Yeah, yeah, that's what I told him. He needs he needs to go over there. So, um, let's. Uh, you're you're not native to Bethel, and I, I know again you you grew up in Indiana, and you did play some basketball at the uh, the mighty is it the Maroons of the University of Chicago? Yes, the Maroons. So, 
Um, for, for those listening overseas, University of Chicago is an excellent, excellent um, academic school. I'll, um, uh, not known for its athletic prowess, though. That's not for known sure. for its athletic prowess, no. but um, no, it, it, I bet that was probably a good time um, playing playing basketball there. You played for four years. Yeah, I played. Yeah, in, in Indiana basketball is basically it is the sport in Indiana. So kids, that's the one that kids learn uh, yeah. and play a lot. And uh, got to play, was fortunate enough to play in college. Um, the University of Chicago, what it's most, I think, most known for athletically is that it was a founding member of the Big Ten. And then at some point they were like, this whole sports thing, that's not for us. Yeah. We're focus on education. So they got rid of Division One sports and, and turned D3 in like the 80s or so. So, um, yeah, I enjoy it. Actually, the friend who I convinced to follow Sheffield Wednesday is Actually, a guy I played basketball with in college. Oh, cool. Nice. And after college, you did play elsewhere for a short stint. I, I tried. So, yeah, I actually <laughs> – I lived in Manchester um, for for a – man, college was a long time ago, guys. This is – Yeah, sorry. Right. Think back. Um, I was there for maybe, maybe a month. I'm pretty sure it was closer to, like, so the, uh, yeah, I was, I was there. I had some personal issues. So I, I ended up coming home. I had a family member that was real sick and was just going through a real rough time. It wasn't, wasn't the right place for me at the right time. Looking back on it, you know, I wish I could have stayed longer. It was a very cool experience. It was, uh, it would have been equivalent to the championship division if we're talking about soccer, but for English basketball, um, that's, that's not accurate in terms of English basketball is not one of the top leagues overseas. So um, they, I, I didn't, I didn't, I got paid in basically a little bit of money to help coach young kids. And then they, they set up my housing. So, and, and the coolest thing I did was learn how to drive a stick shift after learning how to drive on the wrong side of the road for, for me. So. I can't imagine it. So, um, and then tell us a little bit. Uh, oh, go ahead, Je- uh, Justin. Uh, tell us about Bethel. What um, I, I imagine the the soccer scene there is hot, and um, all that other good stuff. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's Bethel's a small town. It's rural Alaska, so yeah, you know the soccer scene is not super hot, but there is a group of people that get together and play soccer in the summer every now and again, but. Um, you know, outdoor activities are really what people are into fishing, hunting. There's, we are famous in the dog sled scene, I guess, if you want to call it that. Okay. Um, we, we have the, um, the most famous mid distance race. And so dog sled racing is kind of broken into like, sh- there's very short races, which are, um, sprint races is what they're called. Mid distance is about. 300, 400 miles, anywhere between 150 to that. And then long distance, you're talking about the Iditarod is the most famous one, which is roughly right. miles. Um, the Yukon Quest is a really big one as well, which is similar in length. Um, that's lesser known, but actually probably tougher. But, um, so we have a dog sled race that happens in town every year in January. So that's probably what Bethel's most known for. Um, a local musher won the Iditarod a couple years ago. That was pretty crazy and cool. So, but. Dude, you are into some real niche shit here. 
<laughs> dog sled racing Sheffield Wednesday football club as an American. Like that, that is impressive, man. You definitely, you, you must share Jeff's hipster taste in music too. I'm willing to. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. To be clear, I don't, I do not, I do not mush dogs. I, I've, I've been on the back of a dog sled like two times and it was a little too scary for me. Um, one of my coworkers is really into it though. So, um, and I do help out with the, with the race volunteering and stuff, but it's, nice. a, really cool, it's a really cool sport. Um, a lot of people think like, Oh my God, these dogs have to run so far, but they absolutely love it. If you see it in person. It's really, really oh, cool. dogs are dogs, man. They just want to be cut loose. Exactly. So um, otherwise, yeah, you guys, you guys talked about Bethel. I think it was last year before and before that MK Don's game. And, uh, you know, there's a lot you can learn from Google. <laughs> you guys found some of the, some of the restaurants in town. Uh, Philly's is still the, the one of the few places that serves beer. Um, it's not open till 4 p.m. though, so I can never go there to watch a game. So um, there is another place that's just open that's another pizza place that is also trying to serve beer. So, but I don't think they've had any yet. So they're, they're slow to the uptick. Well, you got to get your uh, your two co-watchers with you, and between the three, you you've got to have a significant portion of the uh, soccer vote up there in Bethel. Maybe you can make something happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. Is, isn't Bethel still? You said it's small. Is it still like one of the ten largest cities in Alaska? I think technically, um, probably, if you're just. Because Alaska defines what constitutes a city, and um, so yes, but there are areas that are bigger than it. Um, just in, oh, okay. like, in like near Anchorage and outside of Anchorage, but technically, sure. yeah, probably what it, what what is considered a city. There are like borough areas and stuff that are bigger. But, um, yeah, in Alaska, you get these small towns that, I mean, our the second largest city in the whole state is is Juneau or Fairbanks, and those are both at like thirty thousand. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's like Maine. That's yeah. that's the way Maine's set up. Are you from a small town in Indiana? Uh no, I'm actually from where uh where Purdue is, West Lafayette, Indiana. Yeah. So my stepdad taught there, my mom went to school there, and then uh we moved when I, I went to high school outside of Indianapolis, just like a suburb. So okay. Yeah. No, um, Bethel uh, was the first time that I've ever lived in a small town. And I came here as as uh, like an AmeriCorps volunteer, oh, oh, right cool. to law school. So I got a taste of it, went to law school, and then came back and have been back ever since. Even though some of my buddies keep begging me to, to move back downstate. So, <laughs> so well, now I'm curious. Let's. Um, so, what are some of the extremes when you wake up for a, a five thirty or wake up at five thirty for a kickoff? What, what's timber, like in January? What's what's going on outside? <laughs> oh so those are the yeah this this is when i really have to wake up so we it, it can vary um you know the coldest it gets typically in the winter is like negative 10 negative 15 ambient maybe negative 20 and it'll it can sit there for about a week but we warm like today today last night when i went to bed it was negative two and then today it 
got up to 33 and like rained and freezing, freezing rain and sleep. So that sounds wonderful. Yeah. It varies, but yeah, that, that's in the wintertime. I have to wake up early enough so that I can make sure my, my truck gets scraped. So and that's, that's, that's <laughs> those are negative Fahrenheit temperatures. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not sorry. <laughs> I just I mean, I, I find too, and obviously New England's not even close to that, although we get cold, but we had our first cold snap maybe like two weeks ago. So I don't even mind it come January, February, you're kind of used to it, but it's that first like Arctic wave that hits you that is just this terrifying. Once you get used to that, you get through that, you kind of handle the rest of the year. But a couple of weeks ago, I was in a hockey rink with head to toe, uh, long underwear, hoodie jacket hat and still just shaking <laughs> yeah uh. so let's um i'm gonna wrap up with a couple one more questions um current current uh wednesday season how are you feeling about things where do you want to see the team next year i mean where you want to see the team next year but how do you think we're doing <laughs> oh uh you know i think that they're i mean they're they've, they've had a great i think one or two games where i think the outcome was not what, what, what it really should have been. I think they're playing really well. They've got some injuries right now that uh, a little alarming. I think that they probably this January transfer window, they definitely need some help on the defensive side. Um, I'm a little worried too, that I read recently there's uh, callback clauses in some of our loan, our loanees. So um, McGinnis would be one that I'd be worried might actually get, get a call back. He's played absolutely amazing for us. So. Yep. Uh, but definitely need some reinforcements there. I think the midfield is really, really strong. I hope that Denneran gets back um, soon. I heard that Byers might be back this weekend, which would be great. And, you know, up top there, Smith scored those two. I, mean, I couldn't watch a game. I saw the highlights, obviously, but um, they look really good. And I don't think that I, I hope and I hope I don't jinx them, but if switch and Plymouth are, are, I mean, they're on like record setting pace right now. Um, if you look back at league one previous seasons, you know, if you're averaging two points per match, and that's what we're at right now. I think you're pretty much guaranteed top one or two spots and we're in, sitting in third at that. And so I would hope that they come back to the mean and we kind of maintain, um, I think, I, we definitely have the talent to do so. It just comes down to staying healthy. And, and that I actually caught, uh, it's funny you ask because today I, you know, I get alerts from YouTube because I follow the Sheffield Wednesday page. And today my alert went off and said, Hey, the 18, the, the U18s are playing the FA Cup game. And so I just put it on in the background a little bit just to watch and it ended up going to penalty kicks actually. And so. I, I stopped what I was doing at work and watched the PKs. Some of those kids are, are pretty good. Um, so the future might be bright there. <laughs> good to hear. So, well, great. well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I'm glad we finally got to, to talk. Um, we'll, we'll keep texting during matches. And yeah, you should come to the States once in a while. Welcome back. Now it's time for some Wednesday news and more cup action as shortly before we started recording, the under 18s went through to the next round of the FA 
Youth Cup, round four, on penalties after 120 minutes at Hillsborough. I'm a little, I was looking forward. They didn't, they've streamed some of these. I'm a little annoyed. I wouldn't have been able to watch it live, but I would have liked to go back and actually watch it. Uh, 1 1 over Barnsley. Uh, Rio Shipston scored the goal. He's obviously been in the squad a fair bit lately. Also gave away the penalty that led to the Barnsley equalizer. Um, and then they won 3-1 on pens with Pierre Charles making a couple of nice saves. I did see that. They did put that on uh, the Wednesday Twitter feed. The first one, they was a really good penalty save. Uh, and the second one was not a great pen, but good job by him. So onward and upward, all up and down the uh, the Wednesday setup. We move on in the cups. Well, you know, it's nice to just to hear that because, you know, the last, well, maybe what, seven years, eight years. I mean, the entire Chance series. Apparently it is on uh, YouTube. Apparently you can watch it on YouTube, but I can't find it when I look for it. So there it is. It's on YouTube. I don't know if it's going to be. It's been very up and down, but, you know, there seemed to be a point where, you know, Chance series maybe started taking a a longer term vision of things and, and putting emphasis into I think a lot of building that's up those youth too. teams. Well, then that's part of the package, right? Well, no, absolutely. Who you need to bring in to, to get it. But we're, we're starting to see some success it would be really nice over the next couple of years to start mm-hmm. to see uh, players come up through the Academy that, that are impact players. And obviously um, you've seen Shipston in the squad, the last couple matches, you know, not just for the FA cup match, but for, league matches as well and you know pierre charles is actually the uh, a name that has some juice around him as a keeper so yeah it's always good to see nothing else really in terms of news obviously we already talked to newcastle at home in round three of the fa cup actually i do want to bring up uh, barry bannon did an interview with sky sports mm, uh, yeah, yeah that's right that was great by the way, did he uh, reveal that he was making 300,000 pounds a week or whatever it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the two highlights that should make us all feel good is that, yes, he did have a some trigger, uh, which extends his contract based mm-hmm. upon appearances, which is mutually beneficial to the, him and the club. But also he had a quote where he said he wanted to finish his uh, career uh, with, with the club. And that's, you know, obviously yeah. we've been I think we were hard on Bannon at the beginning of last season, especially when he wasn't exactly putting in you know, top level performances in a league that he should yeah. dominate. But again, I think it's not just like the expectations for Bannon as a Wednesday player are you know, justifiably high based on his own track record. But also just like, I, I do laugh at the, I obviously made a joke about his salary or whatever, but like, this is like for fans in general, but also I think it's good for the game when a team gets relegated that you know they're one of their long-serving players their team captain says i will go down with the team and get them back up like i think that's actually a good thing and he should be lauded for that because he could have gone to or he could have gone to west brom and gotten like whatever more championship time obviously there would have been interest and there has been teams linked to him you know since once they have been relegated and yes it's it there's maybe a point in time where it would be quote unquote good business to sell him on and you know, wednesday one of the reasons they're in seemingly constant financial fair play struggle uh is because they don't uh 
take that very sort of, you know, line on a Excel spreadsheet view of their players. And like, look, like on one level, you have to be realistic about where you are as a club and what the structure is that you need to have financially to both conform to FFP and things like that, but also move forward as a organization. Like you can't just, it becomes increasingly difficult to buy your way out of divisions the lower you get, I think. But all that is to say that, man, Barry Bannon, when he's doing Barry Bannon things, is a joy to watch. And I think his actual skill set will age pretty well with him. Like, we complain about him dropping deeper, but there may come a point in time where he has to kind of drop deep and just kind of play more of a double pivot. He'll need a defender with him and just spray balls out to the wing backs or the little through balls and make his little runs and be like a box to box midfielder, but also just kind of like shrink the area he has to cover or whatever. But yeah, it's fine. I am. I am perfectly fine watching Barry Bannon play out his career in blue and white stripes. So let's talk dispatches from the world cup. Obviously, I suppose the American soccer angle on this is that, the U.S. is through the round of 16 and will face the Netherlands on Saturday. I will say that as someone that is not really in any way, shape, or form a U.S. men's national team partisan, I was extremely glad I'm not because watching the last half hour, if I was an extremely U.S. men's national team Wednesday fan, like it would just give me flashbacks to Wednesday parking the bus at like 65 minutes in every one nil game when they were trying to stay up in the championship and then conceding at least once somewhere in the 80s or 90s, often twice. That game. So again, they are the, the U.S. one. The U.S. men's team has been following yes. a familiar model to yes. us, which is they've been awesome for the first 30 minutes but they should be getting two and three goals in those first 30 minutes and not They're also kind of playing like the Josh Lukai false nine with Ross Wallace. Cause they have no striker that can actually a problem with that. No, um, it'd be, uh, yeah, it's, it's been fun. Um, I kind of wish our, um, English colleagues were, were on with us cause I, I don't have the lens of how bad it was pretty played, bad. Um, that game, uh, on Friday. but I know they were, yeah, they they were they were pretty sloppy, and but nonetheless, it took the U.S. Hey. You no, know, I was proud of the U.S. And uh, I, again, I'm not I'm not as diehard as, as anyone else. Probably similar with Jeff, but I was proud of the U.S. for really taking it to England in that game. Yeah, was, England uh, England wanted to complain it. about how bad they were because they were going to have a very difficult time reconciling with the fact that our three man midfield of yeah, young gentlemen in their early 20s dominated that fucking game. That was a thing that I didn't expect. Like watching the, they clearly had a better midfield than Wales and the game kind of played out like that. But sure, I figured with like, enough. I figured with like Bellingham and Mason Mount and I guess Mountain, like they would, I thought they would have been able to kind of boss the midfield a little more. It's a weird setup. So here's the actual problem. It's like, Neither Bearhalter or Southgate are particularly good managers in this kind of format, and it just kind of played out that way. Well, they both do. They're interesting because Berhalter has shown the ability to make excellent tactical starts, right? right. Like he has they, excellent. They both game don't plans. seem to understand the squad that they have, really. Because like Bearhalter's response, well, 
the big weakness in the squad is center backs. Let's just put more center backs on. <laughs> I was fine with the Zimmerman sub. It was the Hodge Wright. It was a uh, I that was and Shaq more like Shaq Moore, whatever. If you need to put a replacement in, put in fucking DeAndre Yedlin. Like I'm not Yedlin's yeah. biggest fan, but he's the only guy in the team that has World Cup experience. He he's Moore's not gonna offer anything that Yedlin wouldn't. If Iran could have put like three passes together at any point in time in the last like half hour, any kind of like. Well, Jeff, do you know why they couldn't? Why? Why? Tyler motherfucking yeah, Adams. Tyler Adams is the best player on that team. That either, dude either, is. Either him or Musa, but yeah. yeah. He, Adams is one of the best players in the World Cup right now. Yeah. Like uh, he's yeah. having let's, one of the best World Cups. take it Cups. easy. I know it's almost uh, midnight. No, <laughs> I, I will not. Because I'm also not. I'm not the biggest yeah. U.S. team. I uh, I received boatloads of shit in 2014 for rooting for Belgium over the U.S. And, and if they met again, I would do the same. Uh, but that said, Tyler Adams has been in Golo Conte levels of wow, there's a covering covering the field. Yeah, no, he Tyler Adams has covered every square inch of the field. He has done it all virtually flawlessly uh he, he's been clearly the u.s's best player i think he's been I, uh, one of the best I, players i've seen at the world cup he's i honestly he's been, fabulous. I, he's been very good i i, I think musa might have been better in this tournament so far well you know what so let's say you've got two players playing at elite level yeah and weston mckinney Filling he's, in a nice, he's a nice player. He's a nice player. That's a great midfield, and that, yeah. that's a really effective midfield. Yeah, um, I think the problem they're going to run into is they have no, absolutely no one that could handle Cody Gakbo. But we'll see how that goes on Saturday, I guess. Yeah, I am. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, I. The, the Dutch team from ten years ago, the one that had uh, Arjen Robin and RVP and. Uh, Wesley Schneider. That was one of the great. Yeah, I don't know who's scoring against them. Right? That's now like I feel main, like, like it's going to be a weird. Well, nobody's scoring against firepower with that back line. Well, I do that. wonder. Like they have not had to chase a game yet, right? Yeah, who's they were up against True. Wales for a large portion of the game. Yeah. England was just kind of you know nothing really came of it for the most part. I wouldn't even call it particularly open. And then Iran, they scored fairly early and. England put up a six spot on Iran and no, I know. And if like, look, I'm just saying if like, if like, I don't know, maybe if Memphis Depay can go, but if like Depay or Gakpo score an early goal in like the 20th minute, like, I don't know if they have a, have a plan B. Well, that I think that's the problem with Berhalter, right? Right. Is that he doesn't. And also Louis van Gaal is a very good manager. (laughs) And very experienced Mm. and has that. I, I, I think we have a good chance because I think we should, as long as we figure out what we want to do with De Jong, mm. which to me, it's, you know, let him have the ball with a little bit of pressure and he'll cough it up. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd do that. But I, I think we're right there. I think if we control the midfield again, the one area that we actually have depth is up front. Mm. So even if Pulisic can't go, hopefully Rain is ready to go. Aronson provides something. Way has been outstanding. Um, I, I hate our depth on the back line. Our midfield depth is embarrassing. But if you get those three starters and maybe McKenney's up to match fitness and can play more than 60 minutes, I I, I think we give the Dutch a, a battle. Do you know how old Daily Blind is? 
Oh, it, it's got to be something stupid, like 28, even though 32. he should be 54. He's 32. Yeah. No, he's actually 54, Jeff. It's it's Daly Blend Jr. Yeah. That's the only possible way that uh, that's happening. Actually, like a surprisingly young Dutch team, all in all. Well, some like how old's Dumfries? Like he's actually he made twenty six up in the Euros. Yeah. yeah, he blew up in the Euros, but like he's not that old. He's peak value. I mm. I like his game a lot. And Mike, you're right. That back line of theirs is, you know, all top five power league. Mm. You know, top European Champions League caliber back line right there. So, you know, it, it's going to be a great game. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited to see. I will say and, it was appropriate that the just some other thoughts from the from the cup this week. It was appropriate that I, the cocaine bear trailer came out the same day as the Mexico Saudi Arabia game because that was like I was getting texts from people that don't <laughs> even regularly watch soccer, just like absolutely marking out for how wild. wild that game was. Well, there was a couple. What was the? Uh, it was a. A couple of days ago, it opened with a three-three, followed up by a three-two. Yeah, there haven't been like it's been a weird tournament where the World Cup's always kind of a little weird in terms of quality of play. But I think dumping it in the middle of the European season has not helped with that. I know anybody that's gambling on the World Cup, and I wish that I was, but I'm very glad <laughs> that I didn't have that opportunity. Because I would have been horribly wrong on many, many things. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been, it's, you're, you're right, Jeff. It's been a very weird tournament. But um, hey, let me just uh, be the first to publicly say uh, let's go Senegal. They're a uh, very fun team to watch. And, yeah, uh, even without Sadio. It would be, it would be uh, absolute delight if they could uh, knock off the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs of international <laughs> soccer. There's also a comp. Uh, before we do move on to the Derby County game, since we're here, and I think the next time we'll chat, we'll be well into the knockout round. Who's your Who's your pick to win it right now? Having what do you watch? They look better today. I am still. I I, I picked Argentina. Mostly for romance, but yeah, I think and I'm nervous that they, you know the, the their loss Justin? was rough. But I think I picked that Argentina before the, the call, cup. So I think they may, um, they may still have it together. My thought was that the two favorite teams were France and Brazil, and that uh, despite having the most talent, their internal uh, disruptions would cause them to falter. Uh, both of those sides are making me a little nervous about that. Yeah. Prediction because the French and Brazilians and the French obviously punted against Tunisia, but the both both squads have looked fairly deadly, and and it's hard to just not see the lineup on paper and think how does this team possibly lose? But I I believe I I don't know I I'll be on I'll be honest I'll be surprised if France or Brazil win it. And, and given that, I'm, I'm going to stick with, uh, like Mike, my original pre-cup uh, pick of Argentina, see if they can sneak through, even though they haven't looked uh, that sharp yet. Yeah, I mean, France has been quite good. I Which remember. is annoying. <laughs> it is. 
it'd be a little like uh you know Mbappe is obviously and these have so much talent on the team that uh, like their manager regularly picks like the wrong lineup and it doesn't matter basically he picks the wrong tactics yeah and just doesn't matter Deschamps sucks and it it pisses me off that he's basically taken a uh you know a race car and put a governor on it over the last six years I uh, think and like, does that win tournaments? It does. Yeah. But it is still, been a knockout tournament. You. Yeah. We've seen you this know, with like Greece I'm, and the I'm Euros and stuff like that in a more extreme example. Man, I know Neymar's hurt, but like Richarlison's looked really good this tournament. They they all have, uh, they, they have I mean, so that much goal talent, by yeah. Casemiro. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Now um, Brazil, Brazil looks outstanding. You just you just feel like Brazil. I don't, it feels kind of like last time around when Belgium punched him in the mouth a couple times and they just weren't able to recover from the shock of somebody taking a lead on them. I, mm. I can see that happening again uh, when they run into a top team. And, and also, you know what? I probably am affected by watching Argentina defeat them in the, Copa championships last year. That, yeah, that's sure probably that, some recency but... bias, but Jeff, who do you have? Who, who do you think's going home with it? I they didn't play great against Germany. They don't have a striker, mm. but man, Spain is look like always just like in a in a knockout scenario, they would worry me. Just their ability to control possession and control the midfield and and one of the best managers in the tournament too, which I which I think is a factor. Um, also, not a lot to get into the knockout stage at this point, and that's been a really which weird group so far. Which yeah, it's crazy. And they're probably just yeah. like goal difference. They're probably okay. Um, it would be yeah. I've enjoyed the tournament. I always do. Um, I've started a uh, a point with a bunch of friends of mine that are also very into soccer to make sure that we do not forget about how wrong this world cup is and all of the atrocities. Yeah, FIFA is FIFA is happy to continue to make quotes about. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, you know, so I, I try to make a point of, you know, whenever I'm texting people or, you know, reaching out to yeah. people on social media and saying, my God, did you see that with Charleston scissor kick to also note that uh, Johnny Infantino claimed that he knows what it's like to be gay in a Muslim country. <laughs> Because he had freckles as a kid, uh, you know, or the uh, head of the uh, soccer committee casually admitting in an interview with Piers Morgan. Oh, no. Did I say three dead? No, it's at least 500 dead uh, migrant workers and everybody else in the world going 500. It's way more than that. So, you know, I, I want to make sure I stay on top of these fuckers, even though I am appreciating uh, as I do every four years, the cup. I'll just wait for the uh, what is the forty-eight team uh, U.S. Yeah, Mexico yeah. and Canada twenty twenty-six. Yeah. See, Jeff, you missed the perfect segue. The perfect segue was speaking of fuckers. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, I don't like Derby. I can't help it. Anyway, at the weekend, uh, I think it's a five thirty kickoff here. Though, granted, when the kids have been getting me up, that might actually. Work out okay. <laughs> Mac, 
to League One Wednesday at Darby County. Take it away, Justin. Yeah, it's actually, I, it feels like it's been a little while, right? We had a two-cup week. We had a league game and then another cup game. Um, nice to get back to the league. So Derby's doing all right. They're in eighth. They're one point out of the playoffs, um, plus seven goal difference. They actually have the same goals against as we do mm. uh, with 16, which is tied for second in the league. Uh, but we have 12 more goals than them. So that's an important factor. Um they're pretty solid at home. Uh, uh, five wins, a draw, two losses, uh, plus four goal difference. Um, on okay form, you know, mid, upper mid table form, the loss, draw, win, draw, win, draw. Um, and then the last time they played them, I was thinking about the last time we played them. I couldn't recall it. Mm, uh, no, I don't know. I don't, know. don't, don't remember that at all. And I'm not even sure no, we've ever played Derby County before. No great so. memory of uh, yeah, shocking that game. Why I would or... hate them so much. You can go to the tapes of the 198 episodes you've done and see if you can find couldn't it. Couldn't find anything. Yeah. Couldn't find anything. So anyway, moving on, since we obviously know nothing about them, they are yeah. the Derby County Football Club from Derby, Derbyshire. Yeah, awesome. Fucking England, man. Uh, now, they were formed in 1884, and credit to them, they are famous for being one of the original 12,000. Someone is a member of the New York Football Owls League. in New York City, New York. I don't know if we should be casting as a person. <laughs> at least you'll play at the New York Stadium. Right? Fair enough, that yeah. Be, that would be it. Uh, yeah, so they were original founders of the English Football League, which I know those 12 teams love to chirp about it, despite the fact we were playing football in Sheffield. 35 years before that, but is what it is. Um, so here's my beef with Derby. They get great crowds. They average large crowds. They're, they're a big club, no doubt. Their entire fucking history is based on the fact that Brian Clough took some time off to uh, manage them. And, you know, again, did very well. They, they actually won the FA Cup in the 45-46 season which given what was going on in Europe at that time, I may apply an asterisk to, but you go Rams, you feel good about yourself. Um, the only other titles they've won, they won the 72 and 75 uh, top flight championships, um, which gave them opportunities to have very nice runs in Europe. They made uh, the uh, European cup or champions league semifinals Uh working under Brian Clough. Um, so they, Derby really has, uh, they also won a couple of trophies you don't care about, like the Watley trophy and things like that. Um, but like, literally that's it. That's Derby County's history. And if you listen to Derby County fans, you would think that they were, you know, some huge club. They had been as successful historically as Burnley, which no offense to Burnley, but come on now. Um, if, if you guys, anybody's interested in some fun, this isn't the time to do it, but go check out their Wikipedia page. It's, uh, stunning, uh, the depths and detail that they go to, to add things like, uh, you know, they, they break down individual games of the 1974 European cup 
quarterfinal Justin, the derby, you know. Are yeah, you Justin. asking me to go to a football team's Wikipedia page? Because that is the thing. No, in fact, I show. specifically said, don't do this right now because it is, as I have quoted here, embarrassingly jingoistic. Uh, but again, derby, you do you. I will just go point in there, in there, I will just point out before we go, Wikipedia page. in their history section, they have a, they have a, a subheading, Edwardian and interwar era. So yep, that's where we are. That's yeah. about right. Yeah. Um, my favorite part of that. Wikipedia in 1906, page, Steve Bloomer was sold to Middlesbrough <laughs> due to financial constraints. <laughs> and Darby su- subsequently suffered his first ever relegation the following season. But under Jimmy Methvin's management, they re-signed Bloomer and regained their first division place in 1911. In 1914, why, why would you not mention that, Why would you not mention oh, this that? Is very, this is very... Uh, Again, this is Very one depth, of the longer. Yes. Yes. It, yes it no, there's is. a lot. My my actual favorite is the one where they go into there, and it's about three paragraphs. They go into their uh, Moore Farm, their academy, mm-hmm. um, and how great their academy is. And in fact, they quote, uh, and at the end of the 2019 20 season, Derby had given more first team minutes to players aged under 21 than any other club in the football league championship with academy graduates, such as blah, 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 getting a total of 7,946 minutes. In I the thought we weren't going to do during the campaign. Page. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. So guys, again, if you, if you feel like doing it, do it. Anyway, it's going to be more than a 30 you. minute show this week. <laughs> yeah. No, we are not. I'm back on Jeff. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, if you guys recall, they were owned by Mel Morris, local mm-hmm. shady businessman who a very was long section in the Wikipedia being page shady. About that. Oh, dear God. Uh, they ended up getting all sorts of penalties. I want to say like 21 points removed. They came down last year, despite Wayne Rooney's best efforts. Um, they were bought by, and I put quotes on it, Derbyshire based property developer, uh, David Close, because I'm sure they wanted to highlight his local connections, uh, which I'm sure is Derbyshire based, uh, will, will keep him there. Uh, he actually bought the park to prove that he could buy the team. Uh, they made a very big signing in getting, uh, Paul Warren from, uh, Rotherham. Paul Warren is an absolute legend for the mini pigs, uh, played there, managed coach there and managed there for 19 seasons. Um, I'm shitting on him. Paul Warren is, by all accounts, a wonderful human being who is an honest, open, and empathetic figure with excellent football tactics. He likes to play a aggressive, aggressive three-five-two. Uh, presses you without the ball. Uh, tries to get quick counters. Lots of shots. Uh, what I thought was interesting is that the whole time he was at Rotherham, uh, one of his major ways was to go long to the holdup. Uh, player who happened to be Michael Smith mm-hmm. and often Smith would hold up and then dish off to the uh, on rushing wingbacks who would then either shoot or cross back to the middle. Uh, this year, they seem to be moving in on the ground through their pretty talented midfield and then either working it out wide to the wingbacks to advance it or going up the middle. Um, so I think this will be, you know, Warren clearly knows what he's doing. Uh, they'll be at home. Um, I think it's going to be a fairly challenging match. Wednesday um, have not played a team. And like, not that Darby's been great this year. As you said, they're outside 
playoff spot. No, right this now, is a great point, Jeff. Great. They point. have not yeah, played correct. a team in the top half of the table in like two months. Well, I was going to say more importantly, they haven't played a team who's attacked them. Right. right? Yes. They they haven't they haven't had to play a team who's like, really even gone like at under them. Darren Moore. I think in League One, when teams have tried to come at Wednesday and actually play a little bit, they've done quite well. Wednesday, that is. Well, the couple times this year that that's happened, we have not. One of them was Plymouth, although that was a very entertaining and close game. We sure. just lost in the end. And then Barnsley obviously uh, tore us to pieces. But I, I think this should be a great game. Some really interesting names on this Derby yes. County team. Yes. Um, they're, uh, right now, their biggest impact player is a right a 30-year-old right wing back with three goals and four assists by the name of Nathaniel Mendez Lang, yeah. who is playing quite well for them. Uh, the other wing back who is pretty aggressive, if you guys may recall from championship days, uh, Tom Barkhausen, mm-hmm. uh, or when I did the uh, Derby County uh, podcast, uh, they kept calling him Barky, which I cannot get out of my head. Um, he's also been solid. Uh, they're feeding the ball up front to uh, either James Collins, uh, large uh, uh, center forward, or uh, David McGoldrick, who mm. reignited his career on the wrong side of Sheffield, who has four goals and two assists in just 600 minutes this year. He's been uh, very hot. Uh, in that midfield of theirs, they have Connor Hurahan, who uh, wasted some time of his career in Cambridge United and is back looking really good. And then a guy I really liked uh, as a teenager when, when we last played Derby uh, named Jason Knight, uh, uh, diminutive, but uh, an absolute motor on him does not stop running a uh, uh, poor man's a, well, a homeless man's Tyler Adams, uh, if you will. Um, and then of course in goal, Mike, Another guy I've never heard of is Joe Will Smith. Will Smith. Why? <laughs> Joe Wildsmith. Will- yeah, he's 20- he was 26 now, which just makes me feel old. Yeah. Cameron Dawson's 27. Uh, like, you know, remember when they were under yeah. 21s, yeah. But Wildsmith's been solid for them, but it, it really appears that a lot of their defensive powers comes from their back three. They've got a couple, uh, you know, lower league veterans uh, bumping around there, but the guy that really, uh, you know, caught my eye was a guy named Erin Cashin. He's a uh, Irish under-21 international, uh, good in the air. He's tough. He's got six yellow cards. Um, you know, seems to really help control that back three. Um, yeah, I, I think this could this could be a really fun game of football to watch i'm, I'm sorry they that it's never so play goddamn well at, early for they never guys. play well at pride park no they don't <laughs> um but you know we haven't been there in a couple of years we've had mm. a lot of turnover i mean there, there's no reason why we can't yeah take three points we'll uh, get the, we'll get uh, the yellows uh, out this week which they have more on the road particularly recently so that's always good to say off uh, off the cuff uh, before the game starts, do you guys take one point here? I'll take a 1-1 one, one draw. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm the same, which bums me out a little bit. But I, I, I respect Derby's manager. I respect their talent. Uh, I respect their home field advantage. I, I think walking out of there with a point would be, would be okay. 
Yeah, this smells like 1-1 or a very late... I don't want to say it. 1-1 draw. On that note, you've been listening to episode 198 (laughs) of the Owls Americas. Finds on the internet. We're getting close. And owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find them all on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast, Intro and Bumpers, our fellow Wednesday nights, Reverend and the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask that you rate and read the show so it's more Wednesday nights find our ramblings. Mike is on Twitter at Cascadia Owls. Mike, we have covered the Darby County prediction. But how about a U.S. Netherlands one? If we can keep it nil-nil to the half, let's go for a very late... Let's have the U.S. deal at 1-0. Late. Just as on Twitter at New England Owls. Justin, same question. Then uh, I, I, I told you, I'm not the biggest national team fan. I don't really trust Burhalter, but the, the energy around that team right now in the midfield, I... I think we take it. I think you take it one nothing. Yeah. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. I feel like this goes to pens. And we'll see you back here. That means we win. We got Matt fucking Turner. 